1: podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the pack a Podcast. You can get all your pack a updates by following us on Twitter at pack a Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both of my co-hosts, Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. You guys, it's a Friday, and it is super good to be back with both of you guys. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic, Kyle. We get to watch people running in straight lines and then sometimes <laughs> side to side and then also doing drills and <laughs> uh, helping people on the streets and uh, interviews and all sorts of really, really exciting things this week.
3: Yeah, it doesn't really feel like, you know, the off season is over until we see guys touching cones, um, but it, it does feel really good to have football back on the timeline at least. And it's also officially a relative athletic score season, so that's fun.
1: This is one of our favorite times of the year, and it is crazy to say that out loud, but we get pretty excited about that. It is Combine Week. We're excited to get a closer look at these prospects that we've just started digging into in the last couple weeks and months. Uh, The Combine, obviously, it's a very useful tool for teams. It's super entertaining for nerds like us here on the Pack-A-Day podcast on Fridays, Uh, but it's more than just the -the on-the-field drills, right? It's the interviews, those podium sessions, and the medical check. So lots going on there. And as much as I love the combine personally, I do always forget that we don't actually get to some of this on-field testing until like day three or four of the event, right? Well, we finally got there today. We're just getting some of those numbers coming in tonight as we're recording. Uh, We got some workouts from quarterbacks, tight ends, and wideouts on Thursday. Uh, But like I said, some of the biggest storylines have been coming from parts of the combine that don't even involve athletic testing. So I'm going to let Andrew, you want to go ahead and kick us off with some, I'd say fun controversy combined with the quarterback position. So it's going to be a good time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Maggie said, uh, it's all about guys touching cones. Well, if the players want (laughs) to stay after and help the coaches pick up the cones, Kenny Pickett better use both hands when picking up said cones because uh, his hand size has been uh, demanding a whole heck of a lot of attention for the quarterbacks in the lead up to this draft and we knew Pickett's hands were going to be small but he measured in today at eight and a half uh, and so if you at home would like to measure your hands in the same way that these athletes do uh, you just extend your pinky and your thumb and then you can measure out what the maximum distance of that is so You know, if you're going to make a comparison, there's not a current NFL quarterback with eight and a half or or smaller inch hands. So how big of a deal is this actually? Well, let's talk to some experts. I have exactly eight and a half inch hands. Nice. Uh, I measured today and I would say I have relatively small hands for a male, especially, you know, given my height. And I I can tell you that it is significantly easier for me to grip and throw a college football than an NFL one. right? Right. Like sometimes I feel like I can't even necessarily palm that. And In case you didn't know, there is a three quarters of an inch difference in the circumference of the college and NFL footballs, which does not sound like a ton, but it can be a really big deal, especially given that Kenny Pickett was always wearing two gloves in college. Right. We got two glove Teddy. Now we're going to have two glove Kenny. And I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in how Pickett throws the ball. And and we'll get to see that right when when the quarterbacks get in the drills. However, it likely will make a big difference on how he protects the ball. So you're talking about pump fakes, uh, you know, and, and then also risking fumbles when defenders go after and try to strip the ball. Then you talk about the elements, right? And so all of those things are about protecting the ball. And for me, that makes it a little bit of a factor when it comes to Kenny Pickett.
1: Yeah, this is really interesting, Andrew, and I'm glad we brought this up, and I'm just going to let all the listeners in on a little bit of our background today to the show. Uh, We spent a little time in our Slack channel uh, talking about (laughs) measuring hand sizes. So, you know, we started doing this, and I started in my office. I was like, okay, I'm going to measure my hands. I'm stretching my hands out. I'm thinking, okay, good. My fingernails are a little long so I get a little extra, you know, like on the measurement, whatever. Well, I forget that I have a meeting at lunch, and so I'm like five minutes late to this meeting because I'm measuring my hand size, trying to see if I have as big a hands as as Mr. Pickett, but I'm a little bit smaller than you. I'm at uh, eight and a quarter, and I was just going to share with the listeners, like I played some intram- uh, intramural football in college, and we played with college-sized balls, but then as you get into those games. If you have any like moisture from like dew, or if you play in the rain a little bit, like not to brag, but I can sling it a little bit. Okay. Like, but then as soon as the ball would get a little bit wet, it changes the way that you play completely. And you start being a little bit more timid with your throws and your, your palming the ball a little bit more than you're gripping the laces and those kinds of things trying to get grip. So I'll speak to that. Like as someone who should never even dream about being an NFL quarterback, that it changes things. And you see people on Twitter talk like, Hey, This is a guy who cannot play in Pittsburgh. He can't play in a cold weather um, environment, you know, like NFC North. I don't know, the Lions or something like that um, play inside. So that's not a factor. But these these cold, cold weather teams, people make jokes and say it's not a big deal. But it absolutely is a factor that those weather conditions are going to affect someone like Pickett more than a quarterback who has a little bit more uh, ability to grip the ball. Like Jordan Love. (laughs) Like Jordan Love. Does anybody guys, know? I
3: also, I also measured my hands okay, just so, us. just for context. And I thought they were going to be a little smaller because I'm five four and I have really small hands. But I got seven and a half, which was really impressive to me. And then hey. you know, when you think about that compared to an NFL quarterback, then that seems kind of concerning for the quarterback because again, <laughs> I'm five four and I too can sling a football. I have a great lefty spiral, and there was video evidence of that on Twitter at some point. But yeah, definitely. I mean, my hand, like on an NFL ball, is just ridiculous. There's no way.
2: Jordan Love is ten and a half inch hands.
1: Ten and ten a half gets good perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, 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 know he's like towards the top of of the NFL in hand size.
1: Clearly going yeah. to find success then, right? Like, I mean, he's got a bigger hands, so clearly going to pan out. That's how this works, Did right? You say something bad about Jordan Love on this podcast right now, we're gonna end it. <laughs>
2: Talk about a different quarterback.
1: All right, I'm going to talk about a different quarterback. Let's move on. Thank you for that insightful process, and we all sharing our our hand sizes today on the show. It's fun. Uh, Malik Willis, uh, someone that Andrew and I have been talking about for a couple weeks, uh, just kind of this fun prospect from Liberty, right? Like, really raw, you know, a runner, lots of things that he brings to the game. Well, apparently— He's been killing the interviews in Indianapolis. Just teams are falling in love with this guy. There's a report that he has a 32 on the Wonderlick score, which I, again, always wonder where we get these, you know, how they leak out. But then once they're out, I feel like it's it's common knowledge, so you can talk about it. I mean, that's a really impressive number. Uh, that he posted there in the Wonderlick. And then, of course, we see that he's helping guys on the streets of Indy. So the narrative around Malik Willis is just growing, and it feels like he's just vaulting up into the top end of this first round. Now, we know he's not going to be doing any of the drills, it sounds like, except for throwing, so uh, that's interesting there. Especially, I was interested to see what he would run, because he is such a mobile quarterback. But it is interesting, Andrew, that he's moved to minus 115 in the Vegas odds to be the first quarterback off the board that was up from plus 200 so someone that seems like they could be inching their way into the top 10 uh and, and high consideration in this first first round of the draft.
2: imagine not having malik willis as qb1 a month ago
1: <laughs> imagine it i can't couldn't be us
3: Yeah. You guys are always ahead of the curve and just, you know, another, another fun fact, before we dive into more combine prospects, Jordan love has bigger hands than Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. So if your hand size is in, you know, a measure of success in green Bay, then I think we're looking at, you know, it's like a groundhog. We're looking at at least like 16 years of quarterback play.
0: That's
3: good. um, But obviously Time to talk some more combine numbers. Who are you most looking forward to seeing, whether it's running drills or coming out of their interviews this week?
2: I am going to go with a super homer pick, and that is Wisconsin's Leo Chanel. Uh, if he tests really well, I think he could vault up into the early to mid second round. Seriously, I don't think anybody's talking about him uh, in that area quite yet. But if he tests poorly, he could fall into mid day three. Like there's there's that much variance in in what his athletic numbers show and how comfortable he looks in in pass drops. So he to me like super instinctive a super good tackler, a highly underrated blitzer, and just a tremendous leader, the kind of guy you want on your defense. But is he a good enough athlete to be a three-down player? I've heard some buzz in recent weeks from people like Kyle Krabs and Daniel Jeremiah that they thought Leo would, in fact, test better than most people think. But just how well is going to make a really big difference in where he goes. In either case, I would definitely not mind the Packers taking him wherever he would be appropriately valued, Because at worst, this dude is going to be a
1: fantastic core special teamer. That's interesting. That is definitely a name to keep an eye on as he tests. Um, I'm going to talk about running backs in general. I'm excited to see test uh, this week. But I'm going to get specific. And I'll say Isaiah Spiller. I think Spiller is trending toward being my favorite running back In the class right now, but it's hard because I think Brees Hall has really good vision, uh, but he's a little bit more of a linear athlete, I expect. And then I think uh, Kenneth Walker is a special runner and is probably the most dynamic running back in this class. But Spiller is such a well-rounded player to me. I'm curious to see how he tests this week. I know he's not going to run fast. Um, But we just heard that he's not probably going to run at all. So it sounds like we're not going to get a 40 time on him. I expect he'd probably run maybe even a four, six. You know, Josh Jacobs ran in that range. That doesn't really concern me. But his agility numbers, explosion numbers would going to be really interesting to me as well. Uh, Spiller will be 20 years old on draft weekend. And I certainly think that there are guys with higher ceilings than Spiller in this class. But with how quickly running backs see the field, there's not a lot of time for these guys to develop. And I think that Spiller is both young and ready to contribute as a three down back pretty much right away. Uh, But the question is, how can that testing vault him to be maybe what is considered around the league uh, running back one? Or will it just kind of muddy the waters with these other guys who seem to be in competition for that top spot?
3: Yeah, I'm having a really hard time like investing myself into the running back class. We talked about this <laughs> a little bit pre-show too, but I just – I don't see a room where the Packers take a running back with with guys like Kylan Hill and Patrick Taylor kind of waiting in the in the wing. So I feel like running backs and quarterbacks are gonna be pretty low on my uh my combine <laughs> watch list. So I'm gonna talk about the edge rushers. I still stand by my thought that the Packers will take an edge rusher in the first round. And during Goody's presser, you know, he mentioned that there's a ton of depth at the skill positions, which we're talking about offensive line at edge and knowing what we know about green Bay's edge group. I'm really looking forward to seeing who might be sporting that green and gold in the near future. Uh, one of the addressers that I really am watching closely is Boye Mafé out of Minnesota. And interestingly, I said this on Twitter earlier, his NFL comp uh, by Lance Zerline is Rashan Geary. So he's raw, super athletic, and probably not one of your day one starters, but he definitely has all the tools to be an ascending dominant player in a couple of years.
2: Yeah, Mafé is a super fun name. Um, I'm going to be concentrating on the wide receivers. I just got done with my initial film viewing of the, the wide receivers that I'm planning to watch on Wednesday night. And I'm likely going to have 16 wide receivers who have grades in the first and second rounds. That's That's nuts. And I am all in on the Packers drafting a bunch of pass catchers early. I don't know that we see a first-round wide receiver necessarily – But I do think there's a possibility two of the Packers first three picks are pass catchers, which like I'm including tight end in that. So, um, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes too far up. But I I do think getting some more weapons for Aaron Rodgers, especially given what this free agent class is going to be, may be something that we finally see that investment. I do think there are some guys that will be off of Goody's board due to size restrictions. And maybe there's some exceptions to that if, you know, they think that they can get a better slot option than Amari Rogers, but there are so many fun guys that could be targets in this class. Um, and I, I think there's going to be some eye-popping numbers that we are going to talk about in a moment. And anybody that caught either of your two eyes uh, with,
1: with some unbelievably fast-tracked 40s. Okay, so we mentioned at the top of the show, like, this is Thursday night. These times are just starting to roll in. We got some earlier this afternoon, but that second group, is just now running so uh let's start with those earlier numbers just quickly Traylon burks runs a four five weighs in at 225 there's a little bit of buzz around twitter about some disappointment almost right because everyone's saying like this guy at his size could run like high four threes like a four four flat something like that runs a four five people act like that's bad i want to hear you guys' just initial reaction to that
3: I don't know. I mean, I don't have anything, you know, Andrew, if you do about specifically Burks, but just kind of my biggest takeaway from this wide receiver group as they're running is one, they're super fast. And two, there's a lot of like premium Goody kind of prospects in here. The early, you know, unofficial RAS scores are starting to trickle in and we're getting a lot of like high nine nines, a couple unofficial tens, and a lot of freak athletes. If Goody wants to take a handful kind of like he did in the 2018 draft.
2: Yeah, sorry. I was just googling what uh, Debo's forty time was. Debo Samuel. <laughs> it was it was four four eight. So four five five. I mean, the, the, yeah. not not a colossal difference. Obviously, a little bit of explosiveness. Um, yeah. But you know, kind of similar, right? The, the comp has been there. It's going to be super unfair to Burks going forward that like he's always going to be tied to to Debo Samuel. Um, I think maybe a little bit more AJ Brown with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, Four five is fine, right? Yeah. What did, did Devonte run? Like you four, know, in the four five, six, five. something like that. Yeah. And and like you don't look at Devontae Adams thing slow. Like play speed is different than track speed, right? Yeah. And so um I, I don't have I don't have any issue with that. I, I I don't love Burks as a prospect. I think to me, like He's not that refined route runner that the Packers would be looking for. That being said, if they got him, oh my gosh, the things Matt right. LeFleur could do right. to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. I think there would be some frustrations between Aaron Rodgers and Burks because of the way he runs routes. But <laughs> um I, I think I think like from uh just get him the ball perspective, he'd be really, really fun in a LaFleur offense.
1: But if Jordan Love is the quarterback, the YOLO balls to Burks would just be all day. Like <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun, uh, but to to his credit, he has compared himself to Debo Samuel himself. He models himself, his game after after Debo, so he's put himself in that camp. We'll see what happens. He'll be a fun prospect to watch for sure. Okay, so that's Burke's early group. Guys, we are getting these numbers almost real time right now. I'm a little happy right now because I see a 4 6 <laughs> next to the name Chris Alave, and my friends, that is flying. Yeah, I so I
2: I uh, made kind of a passive-aggressive comment on Twitter towards you about, like, Chris Olave getting to be your dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just because you you somehow claimed him before me. I have yeah. him as wide receiver, too. And yeah. I will tell you, just, like, pulling back the curtain a little bit, there's a one-point difference that I have between him and Jamison Williams. Oh, wow. wow. And Olave, I, I mean, I don't know what Jamison Williams would have run. It would have been pretty close, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we anticipate... Um, had he, had he been, um, healthy enough to run, uh, but these guys are going to be close, mm-hmm. like in my final ratings. Cause they do factor in athleticism. So, um, man, do I love
1: me some crystal Olave, even if he is team Kyle, I'm going to save my comments on crystal Olave Cause I think I'm going to get back to him, uh, at the end of the show here, but I'm, I'm pretty elated with those numbers. That's pretty good. I just see, I think we have a new combine, Record, is that correct? Do so we have uh a- we go into me here? Yeah, uh T-
2: Thornton from Baylor uh did run a four two one forty, uh, which is just <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> so if I I believe it's unofficial until something happens. I don't I don't really know the procedure. I don't care. I mean, if you're 421 <laughs> or 423 or 425 or 429, like that's just crazy. Um and yeah, it's really fast. I, I just watched him <laughs> the other night. And uh, to me, you know, I, I don't know that MVS is the perfect comparison. I, I Obviously, he has a little bit more juice than MVS, but um, he's kind of that kind of receiver. He, he really needs to be a better route runner, but the athleticism is super apparent. And um, the numbers that are showing up here with some of these players is just boggling my mind.
1: Yeah, I don't think we can spend the whole show. This isn't our show, right? There's so much here. It's so fun to go through and look at all these numbers, see how they stack up, height, weight, uh, and get into some of these jumps and those kinds of things. Just a couple highlights. We know 40 times does not determine the success of an NFL player. However, oh, my goodness, right? We've got Christian Watson running a 4 8 What? Uh, we've got uh, Alec Pierce ran a four three three. These numbers are just totally insane. There's going to be a lot of speed for the Packers to add if they want it at the wide receiver position.
3: Yeah, and I mean, it felt like the last couple of years we talked about these deep wide receiver classes. And, you know, they were saying it on the broadcast during the combine that, again, this is going to be one of those like sneaky deep classes where, you know, if you want speed, you don't necessarily have to take it in the first or second round. I think there's going to be some really good prospects there still on day three for the Packers to consider.
1: Should we move on, guys? We kind of got sidetracked into some of these crazy numbers coming out of the combine. <laughs> Should we keep going? Sure thing. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Do so. I'm going to talk about tight end. I'm going to stay close to the catchers, but pivot a little bit here. I feel like the stock for Colorado State tight end Trey McBride is all over the map. I guess before the senior bowl, I saw people talking him up as the next Travis Kelsey and a lock to go kind of in that late first round area as the clear tight end one in his class. Uh, but then it kind of feels like he's fallen into a group of tight ends who could all go in that second or maybe even third round. Um, And maybe he's not that far ahead of someone like Weidermeyer or Likely or these other guys. Right. Obviously, there's no player like Kyle Pitts in this class. Just it's not going to happen. We're probably not going to see a player like that of that caliber for maybe 10 years. But I'm curious to see if McBride can show enough athleticism here at the Combine to assure scouts that he's kind of that dominant player who should be tight end one. um, Who's not just beating up on his level of competition there in college, but can be that next great tight end in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and Kyle, can I? I just want to interrupt for one second.
1: Yeah, do it. Another name
2: that people should watch out for: Jelani Woods from Virginia. Yes, uh, who was incredibly productive in college, and I don't know why he has been overlooked so much. Huge, huge guy, uh, ran an incredible forty. I can't remember what it is. I I would have to go back and look. But he yeah. also had the highest bench reps for any tight end. So. Um, that's a, that's the kind of guy who can be a really late riser who, who I, uh, think I will keep, uh, my, my attention on that name.
1: I got it right here before we keep going. We got Jelani Woods ran a four six one forty <sighs> at six foot seven, 253 <laughs> pounds. Like you hear six, you know, four, six, one. You're like, okay, that's, that's good. Right. He's moving at six. Six foot seven—that's insane. Just and the, he had twenty-four bench
2: reps on top. Yeah, of it. Like unbelievable. That, that's that's the kind of guy you can sign me up for. Yeah.
3: See, this is the problem with the combine and the draft is because we're falling in love slowly and you know painfully over the course of like three months, and then the draft happens, and we need to like put on some Taylor Swift and just kind of get all the emotions out, so you guys can hype up the wide receivers and the tight ends, and I'm gonna stick. <laughs> with the defensive side of the ball. Um, And I'm going to talk about inside linebackers. I know Andrew already mentioned one, but we had a really good discussion last week on the show about the middle of the defense and whether or not Devondre Campbell is kind of a needed cog in Joe Barry's defense. So even if Campbell is back, Chris Barnes is really the only kind of backer that I see with a solidified role on defense right now. Oren Burks probably is departing in free agency, and we don't really know what's going to happen with Ty Summers. Um, So I'm curious if any of these inside linebackers will catch Joe Barry's eye. We also have to assume, of course, that whoever they pick up, they'll have a huge role on special teams, at least initially. And uh, I don't know, you can call it name bias if you want, Uh, but Darian Beavers is a name that I've been keeping an eye on, actually out of Cincinnati. Something about an inside linebacker that wears the number zero, it just looks really cool in the middle of a defense. Uh, Former wide receiver, switched to safety, or played wide receiver and safety in high school, switched to inside linebacker in college, got really good size and is a strong tackler. And I would buy his jersey, you know, whether he's with the team for six minutes or six years, beavers <laughs> in green and gold is just probably something I need in my closet. Mm-hmm. Um, some, somebody else is also a quay walker out of Georgia. Some really good, reliable inside linebackers, really good tacklers and some good uh, football IQ in this class.
1: All right. So we've worked our way through. We've tried to stay scientific, right? I know we haven't. We're already crushing on these guys. Let's go (laughs) ahead and just confess right out of the gate tonight. It's early in the process, but who are the people in this class that at this point we have a crush on even as early as it is?
3: All right. Defense again for me, but I'm going to go with Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. I know everybody's really excited about the depth that there is at wide receiver. i Absolutely agree, rightfully so. People should be excited about that. But Risker's got phenomenal size. He's awesome against the run. He can play pretty much anywhere in the secondary, whether you want to drop him in the box, put him in the slot, or kind of throw him back deep as your free safety. We don't know yet what's going to happen with guys like Russell Douglas and Shannon Sullivan. So I would love for a guy that I think is pretty NFL ready, like Brisker to come in and develop as a nickel for Joe Barry's defense. Since we know nickel is kind of their base with guys like Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, and then Savage and Amos. Plus obviously Adrian Amos was another Penn state defender. So he would appreciate having a guy like Brisker in his secondary.
2: Yeah. Brisker's fun. I, I would go with Devin Lloyd. I'm, Certainly not done watching his film yet. I haven't even gotten to any of the defensive players, but man, this dude could be really, really fun in Green Bay. Maggie talked about inside linebackers and Lloyd, who played at Utah, has some serious juice. He's dynamic sideline to sideline, who in my opinion is just as good against the pass as he is at the run. He even has experience playing the edge. Now, you hear all of those things together, and then you say, Well, is he Mike Micah Parsons? And no, the answer is absolutely he is not. But he could definitely be a B-plus version of Parsons, which is still pretty darn good. Uh, and I'm on the record as saying I don't think the Packers can or should uh, afford to be able to pay for Devondre Campbell. And Lloyd could be an even better player for Joe Barry's defense than Campbell. I know that's saying a lot because, you know, he's was an all-pro and everything. But I think um, both short and long-term, there's a lot of upside to be provided by, Cam- uh, by Devin Lloyd. Now, granted, is he going to last to 28? I don't think so. Uh linebacker is a weird position to predict. Um, yeah. He could also be a target of the Packers trading up. I know they don't take off-ball linebackers high, and they especially don't trade up for them. Um, but he could be that kind of exception, especially if the Packers say, we know we're not going to be able to afford Campbell because somebody is going to pay the dude, and we are n- going to need to replace
1: that production somehow. So I really like him a lot. No, that's interesting, and I think once the Packers have tasted that success of having that impact linebacker, it's going to be hard just to shrug and not address the position. I'm with you that maybe Devondre Campbell is a little bit outside their their financial picture, maybe as things progress. But man, it would be nice to see them plug and play someone of Lloyd's uh, caliber into that defense. But I think it's already becoming well known that my draft crush is Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State, and. I think I'm well on my way to having feelings for Alave that match the ones that I had for Justin Jefferson and Elijah Moore the last couple of years. Alave is a ton of fun to watch. I think he's a really clean prospect, and he runs great routes. I'm a sucker for the route runners. Whenever they come out, I always have to talk myself into the big the big wide receivers because they don't have to be you know, like small to be a route runner. But the guys who do that part really well seem to have a really natural transition to the league. Uh, but I was thinking about it, and the biggest reason I love Alave is how he can win in so many different ways. He has the speed that we just talked about, to be that true deep threat who can take the top off a of defense. He also has the ability to make the tough catches in traffic across the middle. Yeah, He makes those sideline catches look easy for it was some, someone his size. You don't always see that in those contested you know sideline grabs. And then, of course, he can give you a lot in the jet sweeps and the bubble screens and all the manufactured touches as well. So uh, he makes a defense account for so many things, and I think that makes him special. I just don't think Olave can bust. We've known that he's a good player for years now, and some of us were begging for him to come out last year, but 2022 is when it finally happens. And I want Alave on my team. And after he tested the way that he did today, that dream may be dying a little bit earlier <laughs> than I thought it would, but uh, excited for Alave to watch him in the process. Yeah, that's great. And we're excited to hear the rest of the combine.
2: Be sure to tune in to the rest of the Packade team to get you all the updates on how, Some of these prospects may fit in with the Packers and and just some other news and updates as we get a little bit closer to free agency. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back with more off-season coverage. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember.